communication skills. They already have some empathy and or, or coachability. I mean, coachability is key in terms of becoming an effective leader. You have to be coachable. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of Karina Walsh on the show. Uh, welcome to you, Karina. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. You're all the way from Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's around about midday for you, and it's later on in the afternoon for me. Um, you're the owner of, of Shift People Development, uh, which offers <clears throat> group leadership programs that fill the gaps for the fundamentals of leadership required for any new or experienced manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are a certified coach, uh, a keynote speaker, and also the author of the Engaged Employee uh, Blueprint, uh, Build a Workplace Culture Where Employees Thrive. And today we will be exploring how to develop sort of front-line front leaders, talking about emerging leaders, um, how to train them, how to develop them, what challenges they may face. Uh, before we go there, uh, I want to ask you, Karina, what do you love about what you do? Great question. What I love about what I do is when I get to see the little the little aha moment that managers have. So typically when managers and, and some business owners too come to my programs, whether it's the group program or one-on-one leadership coaching, there's they're having some frustrations, whether it's they can't get through to their employees or they're they're not delegating effectively or whatever the struggle may be for them. And Either we create a simple perspective shift to help them see something differently, or whether I give them one of my tools, one of my very straightforward, actionable tools, and they, you know, you just see the change on their face where the stress and the tension starts to melt away a little bit because they realize, oh, there's something that can help with this. You know, there's um, there's an aspirin for the, for this, <laughs> and it's in the form of a tool or or a template or something like that that I've created to help managers. And it's just seeing that look on their face, seeing the relief, and then when they come back to the next session, and I get to hear about the results. It's always about the results for me and the impact. So when I get to hear about how they've implemented a tool and, and the difference now that they're experience at, experiencing at work. That's it right there for me. That's what I live for. It is rewarding, isn't it? When people get those moments of, of um, aha and, and sort of uh, wow moments and it really just changed something. And, uh, and almost you can sometimes see a bodily change sometimes in people, can't you? When they suddenly get an absolute moment and think, wow, they've got it. And sometimes just come out from a question or, or obviously a program that you're doing. Uh, but as you say, it's then what that moment does changes that sort of outcome, the results, the, the impact it has. Uh, that's great. That's what I love about it as well. So we're very similar in that. Mm-hmm. And um, we're talking about obviously developing people, developing sort of frontline managers and sort of emerging leaders. Um, before we go there, I wanted to get from your understanding, if, if you're in an organization, what should we be looking out for in terms of 
spotting people who have got that leadership potential because obviously people don't walk around with little labels on them and uh, people don't <laughs> always share their aspirations some people keep them to themselves so what what should we be looking for in in our teams that thinks i think they've got some potential of being a leader that would be nice if we all walked around with labels on us, wouldn't it? With our, <laughs> our strengths uh, sewn into our sweater <laughs> yes. or something. That would be fantastic. Or a communication style. Um, I that love would be it. really helpful, wouldn't it? It really would, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, di- the disc model. I'm a, a high D and a low C. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm glad you asked that question. It's so important. What I advise companies to look for, so typically – People get promoted often because of their technical abilities. It's the high performer. It's the person who's who's excelling on a technical level. And I understand why companies promote them. And I'm not saying don't promote your best technical people. There's, I mean, that's my specialty. I help technical experts become effective people managers. But there's other things that you should be looking for aside from high technical competence, aside from being a high performer. I would be looking for maybe even an average performer, someone who's doing their job well, but and they're consistent with their performance. And maybe they all already have the basis for strong people skills. Maybe they're already doing a little bit of teaching or training with some more junior employees. Maybe they already have um, some innate communication skills. They already have some empathy and or or coachability. I mean, coachability is key in terms of becoming an effective leader. You have to be coachable. So I would be looking for someone who, you know, they technically they're good, they're consistent performer, but they're, they also are showing potential for being able to attach and develop to those people leadership skills Mm -hmm. that are so critical. And I can't stress enough, they have to be coachable you're going to have a hard time developing any emerging leader if they're not coachable. They have to be coachable and trainable. You made a, a valid point there. And I think a lot of organizations make that mistake. You know, they, we have the you know, the salesman who's hitting everything out of the park, doing really well. Therefore, they must they must come the next team leader or manager or whatever it is. Um, and then sometimes there's an assumption from them that, that must, that's the next progression, isn't it? So to progress your career, you've got to lead people. Uh, and that's not always the case. So how do we, because that becomes like an assumption, doesn't it? How do we handle that in a situation where perhaps, as you say, you've got the star performer who perhaps hasn't got at that point or showing leadership sort of qualities, uh, and perhaps they're just not being, um, been allowed to or uh, express that. And somebody else is, but they're average. How do we sort of manage that tension potentially in a team when you're saying this average performer is going to become the boss mm-hmm. of a of a of a serious high performer as well? I think it comes from being very transparent with what the what building the leadership pipeline looks like in your organization. These are not these shouldn't be trade secrets that you're keeping from your employees. This should be an open communication that's happening consistently within the organization. It's it's expectation setting, you know, making it well, making it a well-known fact within the company that this is part of our culture. We don't just promote the best technical people. We look for the multifaceted uh, individual who uh, who's going to be a good leader all around, and 
how do you handle, you know, the, the tension of potentially someone who's an average performer now becoming the boss? I'm a fan of having um, two leadership tracks. And one is more of the people leadership track where you lead teams of people. And the other one is more of the business or technical leadership track. I think company and some companies are doing that well, but I think it's still very new for a lot of companies. We only have one leadership track and it's a people leadership track. And I find that to be kind of um, short-sighted and unfair, right? It's unfair because the technical person might not even want to lead a team of people, but they still deserve a career path that works mm. for them. And maybe they are interested in leading people, but they know it's going to take a certain level of leadership development from them. So I'm a fan of having two different leadership tracks, a people leader track, and then maybe the business or technical side where um, it's a different level of responsibility that you're taking on. It's more, um, the business growth side of things or the technical growth side of things, as opposed to being the one that leads teams of people. And I think yeah, it's, it's possible. It's absolutely possible. I think that's important because, as you say, I think there's some people out there who who excel at something, but they don't want to become uh, involved in leadership or in managing people. That's not their thing, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to look at every aspect of how we develop people, isn't it? And actually taking people who become almost subject matter experts, you know, within their field, uh, they can become mentors. They, be, they don't have to be any sort of managerial. They can become mentors. They can be um, ambassadors or, or advocates, what do you want to call it, in an organization or even outside of it, can't they? Uh, it's not – I think there's a bit of a, as you say, a one-dimensional, isn't it? You, if you want to progress, you've got to be about to manage teams. Uh, and it depends on what your progression is, isn't it, and where you're going. And, and I think so is – conversations isn't it open conversations what do you want to where do you want to go and then you work out how you're going to get there and it might be more of a more of an expert route as opposed to a sort of people management so how do we create that culture because you know we going back to the example of the, the high performer and the average performer and perhaps the average performers just not had the opportunity to show leadership perhaps they do have a, a sense of leadership how do we create a culture or environments that would uh, create more opportunities for people to display and show their leadership potential. I mean, uh, what are, what have you been doing with within the, in your workplace or where you've done where you've worked yourself? Uh, how have you sort of created cultures for that? Yeah, um, I advise companies to give any employee the chance to practice some leadership activities in a low risk environment. So one of the activities that I advise companies to do is allow employees who are not yet in a management role to rotate chairing a meeting. Something as simple as rotating those type of tasks that are typically held closely, held tightly maybe by management why wouldn't you give that over to an employee and see what they're made of and see what they can do? And if, if there's resistance and they don't want to do it, okay, that's fine. Maybe they're not ready. Let's go see if another employee wants to take over that task. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but there's no reason why those type of things, you, you know, have, it has to be the manager sitting at the head of the table, always chairing the meeting. You can definitely rotate those type of tasks 
as long as it's a safe and a low risk environment. I wouldn't necessarily be rotating those type of tasks if it's customer facing or high stakes. Maybe the, it's a meeting where the entire board is coming in. Mm. You know, it, again, it has to be a low risk environment, but there's no reason why employees can't be taking over some of those tasks. So you can, you as the manager, as their manager can observe them in action, take them along to a client meeting and see what kind of questions they ask, observe them in action and see, and, and, you know, what are you noticing? Are you noticing um, the kind of attributes that you look for in managers in your company? And the career conversations are critical too, right? Mm. I mean, if you see something in someone, tell them and bring it into your one-on-ones and bring it into your performance management conversations. What are your career aspirations? Have you ever considered this? Are you considering management? Why don't we try you on a stretch goal or a stretch task Mm -hmm. and see how it goes? Again, low-risk environment, but I see no reason why employees couldn't be trying out those types of tasks to see what their potential is. And it's sort of facilitated in a more of an empowering in organization, isn't it? Where you're allowing people to under guidance and support to go off under their own sort of um, energy and initiative. And and I think uh, there's a, there's a risk to that there's always a risk. Of course there is always a risk, but there's a risk not doing it as well. And I think um, it's almost a, a fundamental and a culture to create that more empowering, isn't it? It is for sure. And one thing, if anyone's been following my LinkedIn posts, or if you've been following along in my LinkedIn posts, I've been very vocal about this. I do not like, speaking of culture, I do not like um, baptism by fire or uh, throwing someone to the wolves, you know, whatever Mm. phrase, cliche you want to go with. it's, it happened throughout my entire career. And I remember hearing my coworkers say, oh, it's baptism by fire around here. They just throw you in and you have to, it's sink or swim, you know? And that's the opposite of the type of culture that you just described, mm. where it's safe for an employee to take a step forward and try something new. Um, and it's, it's done in an empowering way because they're getting the support that they need. And it's a gradual increase in responsibility. Mm. But I very much dislike the uh, sink or swim model. Um, oh, this team needs a team leader. So you're the best one on the team and it's going to be you. And we're not going to give you any management training, um, you know, until maybe you come and ask for it because you finally realize there's management training out there that could help you with this. Mm. Not a fan of that. And I feel that that's what creates the toxic culture or mm. the um, the disempowered culture where new managers just, just don't get what they need to be supported. No, and I think also if there's a culture where it is a bit of a sink or swim or a culture where failure is sort of frowned upon, people are not won't be willing to step up because, you know, when you're new into anything, management or any specialist skill, you will make mistakes. Fact, you know, you will, won't do things quite well. Uh, and you need to be in an environment or, or psychologically safe environment where people feel it's okay to make mistakes. Obviously, we don't go out to make mistakes, but it's okay to if we do, as long as we can learn from them and we can take some learnings. Um, that's uh, really important, isn't it? It is really important. That psychological safety that you just mentioned, it's key for learning. So we, we have these potential environments of, of empowerment. We have an environment that's safe and we've got some um, potential leaders who are going to step up 
uh, or allow them to sort of grow or I guess blossom is probably a better uh, phrase. Um, what are the first things we should do to support them? Because we talked about support and, uh, and that, we think that's important rather than just saying you are now a manager of these people, go off and manage <laughs> and do those things. Um <laughs> It's it, what, what sort of support and how, how can we sort of help them? Because I think I, I think this is, as we say, a lot of companies don't do this where they don't support it. They just throw them in, they pay them more money. And therefore we paid you more money. Therefore, you should be doing exactly what I expect you to do as a manager. So what, what are the sort of mechanisms support that you think we should put in place? For me, it's a th- it's a three part approach. The first part is training, of course. And I mean, there is training for frontline. I call them frontline leaders, emerging leaders. It's that that first level of management. I can't stress enough the importance of helping new managers, supervisors, team leads, whatever you call them in your organization. I can't stress enough the importance of helping them build a foundation for their leadership journey because it's going to build confidence. And I mean, I'm sure in your work, you've heard stories about someone who was promoted to their first management role, didn't get the training and support that they needed and ended up with having a really bad experience, maybe with an employee. And and they, they just stepped away and, and now refuse to go back into a management role when in actual fact, had they received the training that they needed, um, perhaps they could have been a great manager. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even new managers don't even realize that there's that knowing how to have a difficult conversation is an actual skill set. There's training available on that. Mm-hmm. There's training available on how to delegate effectively. There's actually a lot of moving parts to know how to be a good delegator. And that's the type of training that new managers need. They need frontline leadership development. So they need to learn, they need the, the training on how to delegate, how to give feedback, how to have a basic coaching conversation, how to navigate that difficult situation. And then, but it's not just training. Training alone is not enough. There has to be support from their manager. So what a lot of companies do, they send one group of managers to my program and then they send, you know, um, start sending maybe their emerging leaders because then the managers of those emerging leaders know how to coach the new leaders, the new managers coming up through. Mm -hmm. So it's getting them the training, having a manager who can coach them and support them. That's the so, 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 so making sure the manager then has the skills to coach, because as, as you say, that that's just not a natural thing neither, isn't it? It's asking no. the right questions. How do you get those conversations? How do you inspire somebody? So you, that's important as well, isn't it? Because I think it's if you've got poor leadership trying to bring more leadership along, you just end up with lots of poor leadership. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And, and what happens with a lot of the companies that come to me, I mean, they might send their emerging leaders, but the managers of those emerging leaders never had that leadership development either. So then they realize they have to send that group as well, which I'm quite happy with, of course, because that's what I want. I want everyone to have the same training. Um, but yes, having a manager who can support you on your as, as you start off on this leadership journey is critical. And then the third piece of the puzzle is feedback. When you are, well, everyone in the organization should be getting and giving feedback. Feedback should be going in every direction, not just top down. But when you're a new manager, you need to be getting direct feedback from your team, the people who report to you, because you need to understand the impact that you're having on your team immediately so you can self-correct 
in the moment. So one of the best companies um, that I have as a client who sends their, their managers to my program, they're using technology to help facilitate that feedback. Um, mm. I can't quite mm. remember the name of the program now. Um, it might be like Pecan or 15.5 or something like that. And, um, you know, team members get to send feedback up to their manager. They have that culture. It's expected. It's a platform that they, they type in literally on, on their app, I guess, on, on their phone. Is that how it's facilitated? It is, yes. And they get prompted with specific questions. And the manager can change the questions and look for something specific. So look for specific feedback related to something like okay. how how are our one-on-ones going for you? Are we meeting often enough? Am I supporting you in the way you need to be supported? So getting instant feedback from your team, especially when you're a new manager, so you can gauge how you're doing, mm-hmm. gauge the impact you're having on your team and self Is that an anonymous sort of feedback or is it is it by person? It's anonymous. A lot of the times it's anonymous. Um, I encourage companies to, uh, to, however, though, to create that psychological safety that you mentioned earlier and make it okay to also have give this feedback in conversation, not just on the app. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's get how do we how do we create that sort of because that because without the, the app's great and it's great to have those, that technology now, but if you haven't got access to that, how do we create that environment where we get like a true feedback, honest feedback that would help you guide you in terms of your style of management and your have greater impact? So it has to be it has to be part of the organizational processes. It has to be a part of the culture. It, it's expectation setting from the leaders of the company that this is how we operate. We welcome feedback. We, we feedback goes in every direction. I know I sound like a broken record and, you know, training is key mm-hmm. um, because you have to know how to say the feedback. You have to know how to deliver it. Right. There's, mm-hmm it's a technical skill to know how to deliver good feedback. So getting everyone the same training so that they all know how to deliver feedback in a way that's effective makes it feel a little bit safer to Mm. deliver that feedback. But the final piece there is that all managers have to understand that when they do get feedback from, whether it's from another manager, from a direct report, how you respond to that feedback is going to determine whether or not you create Mm. that psychological safety. (laughs) Because if you give me feedback and I get um, offended or if I get defensive, the psychological safety is gone, right? Totally, yeah. So there's a little bit of emotional intelligence uh, that... And how do we... Because that, that, obviously we all want... I remember my first sort of sales role, I always get eliciting from my, my boss feedback on how I was doing when he came out with me, observed me. Uh, I really welcomed it because I was just wanted to learn and be better at what I did. Um, the, the more you sort of go up the the chain of command, so to speak, uh, as much as I did elicit it, it, it becomes harder to take because it's because sure. it, you know, you're thinking a you potentially get a little bit set in your own ways, and also potentially you're thinking, oh, that's harsh, isn't it? You know, or it might, or or they or, or they misinterpret or whatever. You can excuse put an excuse on everything, but how do we sort of not take the emotion out of it? But how do we? deal with some tough feedback, I guess, you know, it can be quite harsh sometimes, can't it? It could be. Yes. Um, 
And I think whenever we get feedback, I think in terms of if we're going to be emotionally intelligent about it, first and foremost, acknowledging to yourself that "Hmm, that was difficult to hear. But and so, so, you know, don't block out the emotion, deal with it and deal with how you feel first Mm. and then take a step back and, and put on your critical awareness lens and ask yourself, like, what part of this feedback is actionable that I can take right now and use? And what part of the feedback is not so useful for me right now? And do I need to go back and have a second conversation with my manager about that? Mm. Say, "Hmm, I'm not really sure this is the most useful feedback or I need to understand more about the context of where this feedback is coming from because it felt a bit harsh. Um, But, you know, taking a step back and saying and asking yourself, how might I use this Mm. feedback and of what benefit will it be to me if I use this feedback? It's putting on that that lens of critical awareness so you can mm. make it work for you. Yeah, because just going back to the technology piece, and I, and I think that can be helpful. Um, but I, I've done 360s and I've had 360s mm. and, and you get the verbatim stuff as well. Um, and sometimes that can be really helpful, but sometimes it can be unhelpful because it's slightly out of context. Sometimes people just put a random it's not random in the head, but the way it's come out out of context, it, it appears very random. And it's like, I'm not entirely sure what they're saying here, or it doesn't really. So actually having that conversation where, as you say, you can actually not challenge it, but at least question a little bit more about why they're saying what they're doing, which is to just get a bit more understanding, isn't it? It's really helpful. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, as new leaders will make mistakes and, and just before we finish, it'd be good to, to just how, how to handle those mistakes and those failures and those things that, that have just gone wrong and you're new in. And that can be quite a, a shock to your system and quite a, hmm. uh, a blow to your confidence, I guess, in terms of moving forward. So, so how, if you're new, you've just, start to lead and you just make a, a gaffe and it's completely wrong. Um, how, how should we deal with that? How should we sort of process it? That's an important question too, um, because we all make mistakes and you really don't want to internalize those mistakes and let it be a hit to your self-esteem. And I have had uh, many managers come to me for coaching who have done that. They've internalized their mistakes and allowed to allow the mistake to kind of challenge their self-worth So first thing first, recognize that everyone makes mistakes. Every new manager and even plenty of experienced managers make mistakes. Mistakes are are often how we learn. So just like accepting tough feedback can be challenging. You have to take a step back from your mistake and realize this is a mistake I made. This is not who I am. What can I learn from this mistake to make sure it never happens again? So again, it's adding that critical awareness lens to make sure you understand I am not my mistakes. Then I would go and speak with a mentor that I trusted. And if you're a good mentor or a coach or a good, you know, if it's your manager that you're talking to, they will hopefully share some of their mistakes with you. So you understand that, oh, I'm not alone. Look at what that person did. That was even worse than what I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that because one of the best managers I ever worked with, that's what he did. Whenever uh, someone came in feeling just feeling really low because they had just made a mistake, he would say, that's nothing. You should hear what I did once and turn it into a moment of humor. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because because you have to be able to laugh at yourself and um, and have that shoulder, I guess, to lean on when you do make those mistakes. But don't internalize it and mm-hmm. let it, you know, lower your own self-esteem. And I guess just I guess add to that is is, is is look for a learning, isn't it, of how mm-hmm. you might gain some insights to perhaps why it went wrong and 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 what you could do differently next time and see it as a a learning. I often talk to a lot of my clients and obviously we talk about the word failure, but I, I say use the word feedback. It's just a way of mm. you've just not got it right, which is fine. <laughs> just learn from it, do a loop of learning and embed it and do it differently next time. If you keep going back to the same mistake, then there's something Quite, not quite right there you're not, you're not learning <laughs> you need to learn and uh, it goes back to you saying you, you need to be coachable and need to be a person who learns um it's been really good to talk to you karina um i really like your uh your your, your wisdom and your advice actually and yeah. uh, on helping uh newly uh emerged leaders uh, as they step up that's really helpful um if people want to get in touch with you and connect with you what's the best way of doing that I've really enjoyed our conversation as well. Um, the best way to get in touch with me, uh, definitely connect on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect on LinkedIn because that's where I post my best content, my best tools, strategies, you know, um, insights, articles. So LinkedIn is a great way to get in touch with me. My website is www.shiftpd.com. So feel free to uh, go onto my website, my email address and phone number at the top of the page. So either one of those ways uh, are great to get in touch with me. Well, well, thank you for your time, Karina. Really, thank you. appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.